Welcome back to the Girl Move On podcast. This is Shan. And this is Tiffany. Welcome back, my lit loves. And this is part two of our What the Health episode, talking about the disparities that Black women face. Last episode, we talked about maternal health. And this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the other health issues that we face as Black women. We're going to start off by talking about fibroids. And Tiffany's going to take the lead. So I'd like to introduce everyone to my fibroid baby. In 2018, this odd-shaped mass started to protrude from the right side of my pelvic area. So it looked like I had a little alien baby, like there was a foot in my stomach. So it just looked really weird. I didn't know what was going on. So I went to my annual with my GYN. And I told her about it. I showed it to her. It's like, it was very hard. So she said, I'll send you in for testing. And it, we did a pelvic sonogram. Mm-hmm. Told me there was no need to worry. There's three fibroids in there. And uh, they're still small. So they can range in sizes from like a small centimeter. Mm-hmm. Yep, a small centimeter up to seven centimeters. But up to seven centimeters is when it's, you can go into surgery. But again, remember the the timelines I'm telling you. 2018, there were three of them, said nothing to worry about. They're not even close to centimeters to even have surgery. So something just didn't sit right with me. So this is 18, the summer of 18. Now, March 2019, I went again for a sonogram because they it's just my periods were just very long and I was bleeding a lot, a lot of blood clots. This is TMI. If you are not a woman, you need to understand these things. If you have a lady in your life, brothers, sisters, partners, whatever, because we go through a lot. That little the little party mm-hmm. place y'all like, we go through a lot. So you need to listen and understand what goes on with us. So now the fibroids are orange sized. And I don't know how big is orange here. Okay, but just for perspective, so as you were saying that, I was pulling up a little centimeter to inches calculator on Google. Okay, so before you said up to seven centimeters. Mm -hmm. So seven centimeters is 2.75 inches, and orange is definitely bigger. Thank you. Than 2.75 inches. Thank you, So again, we're just saying the max that they told her at the beginning was seven. And now here we are a year later, a little less than a year later. The size of an orange, which I orange would say size. is more like and four inches. Right. So it's three of them. And they're not inside my uterus. So they're not stopping me from doing anything. But I wasn't family planning at that time. And I was on birth control. So I immediately thought that the fibroids correlated with my birth control. So I was mm-hmm. thinking about stopping it. Obviously, that was slid on your sex life. Well, slid on my sex life. So... Mm-hmm. um talked to my gynecologist about this, and again, assured me that everything would be fine. I've had the same gynecologist. This is a the same gynecologist I've, I've had since maybe 2017. So I came in to her new with all of this. A point of clarification. So now are they still saying it's only three and the largest one is the size of an orange or were there more? So they're saying that they're 
all three were the size okay. of oranges and they were on my uterine wall. So this is why they were not worried about it because they were on my uterine wall. If they were in my uterus, that would cause a whole bunch of other debilitating factors because, and I should have started with this, 35 million women have fibroids. Mm-hmm. If they don't know about it, if they do not know about it, 7 million women have debilitating symptoms. Fibroids are two to three times higher in black women. They have no rhyme or reason for how it even shows up in your body. I know that when Kamala Harris was first coming to office and if somebody knows where she is, please, you know, hit a sister up. We haven't seen her at a chapter meeting in a long time, but um, they were trying to produce an act that would put more research into fibroids because they cannot understand how fibroids are formed. They can only tell like how they, where they show up and how they are amassed, but they can't see if it's cancerous, things like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it really, in case when they just randomly disappear and they don't tell you why. Exactly. <laughs> so Which they, I'll share later. Right. They just research don't. Research is needed. It's needed. They, and especially That's because, okay. you know, it's affecting black women. Why would we care? But when they're diagnosed too late, this is what I was worried about, is that if your fibroids get so bad that it can lead to a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was worried about. And this is why this was a point of contention, because when I laid down flat on my back, it literally looked like I had a little foot sticking out. And I will share that picture with everyone. And this is only three on my uterine wall, on the outside. So stomach is still flat, still working out. Just having really long periods on birth control. They say your diet has something to do with it. I've never eaten crazy. You know, take out intermittent points, not having red meat, mm-hmm. not having too much fried foods, still not going down. So I had a friend that had surgery within that time, and she's actually had two surgeries with her fibroids, and she was instrumental in helping me figure out how to advocate for myself with my GYN because, you know, they just think you're fine. You're functioning. I don't go to GYN when I have my period, so I can't show her how debilitating it is. So that was March, 2019, just living with it. If anything, if I had any pains, then, you know, and I think that's why I went to the hospital, to the doctor, because if it was March 19, I think I was experiencing pain when I had sex a month or two before that, I would get like weird little pains. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what was happening, but my stomach has always been the source of just uneasy feeling. So if I don't know about something, it always starts in my stomach and then reverberates through the rest of my body. So, yeah. And I have another point of clarification. When they were doing these ultrasounds, were they just doing it on your stomach or were they doing (coughs) internal ultrasounds? So the pelvic sonograms are those ones that okay. they put okay. inside okay. of you and check around. So those aren't as clear as possibly an MRI. Mm-hmm. So this is what okay. they did in summer 2018 and March 19, the pelvic sonogram, the wand, and it's like a cloudy kind of look, but they can see the mass. Mm-hmm. It's darker, like an x-ray. Yep. But MRIs are absolutely much better for those kind of things. Okay. So this is March 19, go through the rest of the year, everything's fine. By 2020, everything shuts down. So way more aware of my surroundings and my body. Mm-hmm. So trying to stay active, go for walks, 
uh, do yoga in the house. I've always done that in the morning, try to stretch and do yoga before I start my day because I just need my body to loosen and I make better decisions if I work out during the day. And I was doing kickboxing twice a week. So your girl was over here stacked, okay? <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm being proactive, taking care of myself, making sure I'm eating better. And I'm still seeing the little fibroid baby leg. So I always have my GYN, my annual exam, usually either February in the summer, but because of COVID, it got pushed to July. So now we're in July, 2020 and my symptoms are accelerating and I didn't know what was going on. So I'm Mm -hmm. telling my GYN this once again, she said, we'll go do a pelvic sonogram. I said, respectfully, I do not want to do another pelvic sonogram. Something else is going on. It's not three. It's just I felt more crazy symptoms during quarantine. I need another opinion. And of course, Kaiser, everything is within their system. So how am I going to get another opinion without paying a crazy amount of money? Because Mm -hmm. those pelvic sonograms were not covered. Of course. So your girl had to pay seven, $800 and I was not going back to pay for another sonogram to tell me that it's only three. I knew something was wrong. So I let Medical bills are a whole nother Medical episode, bills, okay? it's a, it is all a it's scam. It's all a scam. <laughs> the medical system, Y'all. we didn't even, we did not plan that. that we not literally said that at the same time. It's a scam because now I had to think about my health and if I can pay for these sonograms. Every sonogram was at least seven, eight, and that's with their little discount. Okay, Whew. so this is coming out of pocket. Though. It was Rare. nuts. So I told her I'm not doing that again. I got in that car. I remember I drove because I love Dunkin' Donuts. Drove to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> it was down the street on Queens Chapel Road. I miss Maryland sometimes. That's why I used to live. Queens Chapel Road. I used to go from the Kaiser Medical Center. Go get my coffee because, of course, you know when you go to get your annual. In the morning, nope, can't drink or eat before you get blood and everything because I love giving them my blood. Go test everything. I'm a go test everything girl. I don't want nobody to say anything about me. We're not having those problems. Oh, you felt like your dick was itchy? It wasn't me. Check your roster. I'm sending screenshots. We will never. Mm-mm. We're not playing those games. Mm-mm. Any scare, we're going to have a conversation. What's been going on? Let's run through things. But uh, I drove down. To Dunkin' Donuts, I sat in the car and was bawling, crying. Couldn't even have my little donut because I like munchkins. So I usually get, I would get munchkins and medium coffee when I'm having a bad day. <laughs> Couldn't even eat my munchkins in peace. I was very upset. So called Ashley because she's our residential <laughs> in-house RN and explained everything to her. And she said, you have to advocate for yourself. Tell her you want an MRI. And I'm like, MRI? Why would I do that? She was like, that's the only way you're going to see exactly how many fibroids are there mm-hmm. so just really scared and called later that day and I said that I want an MRI so remember I went to see her on July 28th by August 4th I had an appointment to get an MRI and of course this is COVID so mm-hmm. I was dating someone at the time so I could not Nobody can go with me. So I'm going, mm-hmm. I'm driving to all these different places, driving myself crazy because my anxiety is next level. And it became even more, my anxiety was deeper, of course, during quarantine. And I can't say, of course, because everybody doesn't deal with that or know how to deal with that. But during quarantine, my anxiety was on 100. So 
had to go to all these appointments by myself, went to get the MRI. You really start, and you have to go in that machine. I think it was like 30 minutes. Like the one where you, you slide in. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Listen, because that's what I was thinking. Right. It's literally, it's you like. You know I love Shondaland. You know I love Shondaland. Yes. If you're going into movie. the machine, like you're laying there and it's like, beep, and stops. And they talk to you and they say, beep. And I'm like, girl, we got to think about life right now. You have to think about life right now. Do you want to continue doing this by yourself? So get out of there. And <laughs> this is one of the best and worst days of my life. My GYN calls me a couple days later and she immediately apologizes. Mm. She's like, Tiffany, I need you to come in. I was like, honey, just tell me what's going on. She was like, there's more fire breaks than we thought. I said, okay. So this is the first week of August now. I went on Saturday. I go into her office like Tuesday or Wednesday. She sits me down. She was like, there's 25 fibroids. I said, excuse me? (laughs) What do you mean? There's 25. (sighs) The fibroids range in size from 0.5 centimeters to 9 centimeters. They were all the way in front of my uterine. The biggest one that was nine centimeters was on my back. So when I would be doing a lunge in yoga and I felt a pain in my lower back is because this fibroid was lodged on my spine. Didn't make sense. For perspective, nine centimeters is three and a half inches. And what's the fruit correspondence here? (laughs) I mean, what it, I feel like we were calling it a baseball or a grapefruit. Grapefruit. It's a surgery. grapefruit. Because the orange yeah. was, yeah, the orange was the seven. So that was the grapefruit. That was the biggest one. And I'm just looking at the scans. And I looked at her. And I wanted to lose it. Because by this time, let me tell you something. During quarantine, your girl was ready to go. I had plans. My job said they didn't know when we were going back. So I think that... The 30, so I went to my GYN exam on the 28th, and now I'm thinking my life is flashing before my eyes. So by the 31st, I started looking at apartments in Dallas, and I mm-hmm. held an apartment in Dallas. I had an address for October. Yep. We're in, we're in August. So I explained to her, I said, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm moving in October. We need to expedite this process. And she said... Well, I don't have any connections down there. I trusted her to do the surgery though, because even though she, it wasn't, it's an elective surgery. So Mm -hmm. this is not something that would be of priority for surgeries that everyone's had backup surgery in the middle of quarantine. They just started opening the books. Right. So I said, I don't know what to do. And she was like, okay, let's try to do a follow-up appointment September 1st. I said, no, we're not. We need to figure it out. Whatever you need to do in between this time, you need to figure, because if what they, they, at this point, they needed to do the most invasive surgery. Like if this kept on, I would have a hysterectomy Mm -hmm. where everything would be taken out. I had to have a myomectomy done. And that's basically where they open you up and they take out every fibroid. It's similar to a C-section. Mm-hmm. So any research I did, I just looked at what the recovery periods for myomectomy C-sections were very comparable. I said, whatever you got to do between August 4th, August 6th at this point, 
to September 1st, you got to figure it out. So uh, I think she understood that I was the wrong one. (laughs) So August 17th, I got a call that said I would have surgery on August 28th. Count that up. 11 days. In the middle of quarantine. We didn't have any boosters, nothing, anything yet. Still by yourself. By August, between August 17th and August 28th, I had to do all the pre-op, all the blood tests, quarantine for three, four days. Nobody could be around me. I was losing my mind. I had to get groceries. I had to take care of my house. I had to send, oh, I had to send out the back call to the Avengers, which is two <laughs> different things, but I had to send out the call to the Avengers. I had to think about what if I didn't make it out of this surgery? Because I already knew what happens when black women go to hospitals. So I was losing my mind. Of course, the tribe, you know, always stepping up. Uh, Of course, Shane and Asher were on that Avengers call. My friend LaVon, she said she would come stay with me for a week until my mother could come stay with me for the next two weeks because my recovery period would be six weeks. I had to hurry up and figure out how to do work what is it at fmla yeah extended yeah and of yep. course with my job they don't care so they're just like we'll figure it out and then i'll get to that later. but um yes someone else at my job had the same surgery a couple months ago so i used her as a guide and spoke to her about what to do and this is why it's so important for women to have these conversations because if i didn't mm-hmm. have that conversation with her I wouldn't know what steps to take and how to expedite the process for my for filing my own papers because and of course she I had hadn't to, shared with you that she had been through right. That, well, this was this was also we also had a personal relationship, so mm-hmm. I was able to get that information from her and you know things yeah. to do in filing paperwork. I spoke to some really nice ladies at Kaiser; they were very helpful. So everything shut down. August twenty eighth, uh, my person at the time took me to the hospital said goodbye. I had to go in the hospital by myself. I had to sit there by myself in pre-op, losing my mind, FaceTime my mom and brother. Couldn't, they, it was just a lot. It was emotionally, it was a lot. I felt my mental health deteriorating hour by hour because I didn't know what to do. I've never been in this position. Uh, We finally get into surgery. Actually, let me go back a little bit. My, (laughs) the surgical team, at Holy Cross that I had at the time. They were excellent. The anesthesiologist came and visited me, told me he and it was a black man, he was excellent, said, you know, this is what's gonna happen. Don't worry. You're gonna be great. My GYN was the one doing my surgery. The nurses were excellent. So, so shout out to the surgical team at Holy Cross. The only people that deserve the shout out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As they're rolling me in, I said, hey, get every last one. I don't care how long it takes. And if you want to do a little tuck for the lower abdomen <laughs> at the same time, by all means, do that too. Amen. And it's so funny because I just finished watching all of great, like all the seasons of Grey's Anatomy, maybe the a couple months before. Like I started from the top until 16, season 16, because 17 was, was the, a good timing or no? Because it was good and bad timing be because you I was stressed because I'm like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm in the hospital. Like, oh, this is what I see. And oh. they do the countdown when you're about to go in. I was like, I know this. I'm like, 10, <laughs> 9, oh, I'm asleep. 
So my mom was on, <laughs> she was on alert to call. She was the, my um, emergency contact and she was to call Shan. She was supposed to call Levon. She was supposed to call the team, let everybody know I'm okay. Surgery was supposed to take two hours. <laughs> but you know me, surgery <laughs> was four to five hours. I lost a liter of blood, which they were able to, there's a way where they can cleanse your blood and give it back mm-hmm. to you because if they couldn't do that, then I would have to do a blood transfusion. If someone mm-hmm. didn't match my type, it would have been a whole mess, but they were able to cleanse my blood back into me after losing a liter. And I woke up in the middle of surgery. Mm. And that's when I realized I'm a superhero. Because who wakes up in the middle of surgery and just looks around and they're like, oh, wait, 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 go back to sleep. And the anesthesia, and I can't, again, this is a black man. He's like, oh, no. Lord. It was great. Lord. It was great. So I don't know how good that was there, but maybe they didn't do enough. But I guess the anesthesia is according to your body type, whatever. So they was giving your girl a little bit more freedom than they should have. So I don't know. Um, I woke up. And that's when the shit started. The the nurse, you're in pain. Like mm-hmm. my incision and my GYN did an excellent job. Like your girl could wear a bikini. She could get her things together. My incision is if you put your thumb straight out and your index finger down like a seven from my belly button to the top of my pelvic bone. I just did it for Shan. Very clean lines. It looked great. I sent them pictures like your girl got tucked. And my nurse, when I woke up, the way I woke up was her banging her butt against my bed. I am in extreme pain. Like everything hurts because I've been on my back dormant for four to five hours. That's, that's not humanly possible. So my whole body's in pain because I've been strapped down. I guess they strapped me down when I woke up because I woke up. I don't know. You know, crazy. But everything hurts. And I hear her saying, oh, no, she had a hysterectomy. And I started to cry because I thought they messed something up. And she's like, no, 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 honey, you're fine. And I told her, you know, even in my grogginess, still a bad bitch, I said, please stop banging my bed. And she was like, oh, you know, my butt got in the way. This is a white woman. I said, oh, I already see this shit I'm about to walk into. So go to my room. Oh, tapped. Go to my room. And my nurse, my overnight nurse at this time, so it's probably 11 o'clock that Friday. I should have been out of surgery hours ahead. It's a nice, uh, he's giving me Robin Thicke. Very nice to look at. Very nice nurse. Male nurse. I've never had a male nurse. He was very understanding. Had a wonderful bedside manner. And he was very helpful in telling me what's going on. They had a catheter. They had compression around my legs to make sure my blood was flowing completely through my body. They had me sitting up a little bit because if I laid down too flat, then we'd have a problem. And I was able to sleep because those meds, oh man, they were amazing. That was some of the best meds I've had in my life. And the next morning is when the shit hit the fan. They woke me up. They turned the light on at 6 a.m. And they said, okay, honey, time to get up. We're going to walk. I said, who's walking where? Did you just, do you see what just happened to me? She's like, no. In order to get discharged, my blood levels have to be above a certain count. I have to walk in the hallway, walk the entire hallway like of the wing, and I have to pass gas, and I have to pee. And I said, I'm not the one. Please turn the light off. 
So I already knew. <laughs> I already knew what was happening here. No. I said, where's my doctor? Where's where's Sen? I don't know who you are, but I need Sen. So uh, the next day, another two more doctors came in. So this is Saturday now. So, you know, the TV in Wait, the hospital. Wait, pause. So you ain't get up and walk? No. Bitch, who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm not. So I guess they went and had a chat. So that afternoon, another nurse came on. And I think it was like an Indian lady or... No, that was the little white lady. And she came on. She was like, oh, we're going to walk, whatever. No, she was the nice Indian girl. And then there was another person afterwards. No, no, no. I'm messing it up. The doctors. The two doctors are white. And I have to say this because you need to understand. Then there was a nice, younger black girl. I know she had to be from some country because she was just way too calm. Then there was the other girl that didn't know what she was doing. So I had the nice, young black girl um, from some country. She was very nice. I told her I need to take a shower. I need to use the bathroom. She was very helpful, very kind to me. Great bedside manner. She helped me. She held my hand, walked me in the hallway, then helped me go to the bathroom because you never realize how much pressure it is. Like mm. if you hurt your knee or your pelvic area to sit down and pee, mm-hmm. to this day, I say, thank you, Lord. Anytime I sit down and pee, <laughs> honestly, I'm like, Ooh, okay, yes, Lord, because that pain is unbearable. Mm-hmm. You don't even want to pee because you have to push to pee. So it was that. <clears throat> she was very helpful. I got up. I was able to walk past gas. So I was like, oh, girl, I'm about to leave. Like tomorrow morning, discharge me today. She said, no, your blood levels are still low. I said, well, then shit, this is some dumb shit. So I'm sitting there <laughs> watching goddamn Kardashians because the hospital, um, hospital TV is terrible. Can't talk to nobody because I'm in pain. So I'm just sitting mm. in the chair, like thinking about life. Doctors coming in every two seconds asking me, so what are your plans for kids? Yes, you just cut me open. Did you pull anything out? Obviously, there's no kids right now. Stop talking about kids. I just had surgery. And I said that. I was really hella That's real. That's just random and crazy. Just random crazy questions. Then, this is Saturday, so I'm in there the whole time miserable, but I was able to walk past gas and pee. So, hey me. Sunday now, I told them I'm leaving. <laughs> because I don't know what happened with the nurses, but the, the last good nurse was that black nurse. After that, these nurses did not care. They took me off my little push morphine. I'm in pain. I'm trying to, like, somebody come here, ignored me for, like, two hours. Mm. Well, it didn't seem like you were in a lot of pain because you were laying here and you didn't get up. Why would I get up? You took the catheter out now. So now I have to shuffle my ass to the bathroom to pee. And I'm in pain. If I would have fell out, that's when y'all would have came. Again, I did say this to them. So now it's Sunday. My friend LaVon is coming in from New York. She's going to stay with me for a week. So I'm calling her. I'm telling her I don't know what's going on. When am I going to get discharged? So she's just like waiting in the wings. So by four o'clock, I'm supposed to get discharged, but at two o'clock they were supposed to get. They were supposed to prescribe medications. This is a Sunday. The nurse did not prescribe the medications. Did not give me medication to go before I left. They had my ID and belongings because nobody's with me, so they took it to whatever little storage they have that you have to sign up for. That's closed. So your girl is not hopped up on drugs, feeling everything. My friend is there trying to help me. They wheel me to the front foyer lobby area. And then the handler leaves me because he has to go to a meeting. So LaVon is in the car looking for parking. 
She comes in. She said, why are you sitting here by yourself? She proceeds to raise hell in the, in the whole hospital. My friend just came out of surgery. Why is she in here by herself? Where's her stuff? They go find whatever they need to find. That takes another half an hour. They did not give her the drugs. So now we have to drive 20 minutes out of the way to go to Kaiser Pharmacy to get pain medications. Mm. I'm in the car. Thank God she had the foresight. She put pillows in her seats so I would be comfortable. Mm -hmm. But to drive 20 minutes out of the way where I could have just drove the 15 minutes home. Now, when I get home, I live in a three-story walk-up with a long pathway. So I am just teetering my little feet to the door and then basically crawling up the stairs because after I get up the stairs, I could not leave my apartment for three weeks Mm -mm. until my first appointment in September. The recovery is six weeks. I could not shower for three days with the stitches and I couldn't take any tape off for three days. Uh, I had no appetite, bought all these groceries. I had no appetite. Everyone that sent me edible arrangements, things like that. I had no appetite. I'm sorry. I couldn't do anything for myself. LaVon stayed with me for a week. She made sure I was good. She was an excellent nurse. She made time for when I was supposed to get pain medication so she could share with my mom. Honestly, a godsend. Love her to death. Anything. I mean, I knew I drove her crazy. I was screaming, crying in the middle of the, mo- at, in the, middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So she would get up, would never make me feel any type of way until she left. She was like, I need time away from you. <laughs> and I said, I understand completely. I understand completely. That's real friend. That's a real friend. That's my, that's my, that's my, listen, she said, I love you, but this week I, I love you, but the way I can sleep and the way you scream, I, I can't, you killed me. You know, I can't. And I understand that in hindsight. And I was like, why doesn't she love me? It's because she loves you. That's right. I tell y'all. Because I'm who's gonna? The truth and I don't give a fuck. Right. You know, she I love you. If I'm honest working, with you, you know I love. She you. was working remotely while taking care of me, and then while yes. going to try to take care of herself. You know, exactly. she was going through her own stuff at the time, so she just needed a way to, you know, help. So God, she's amazing. Thank you, Lord, for a friend like that. Amen. My mom Amen. came. Uh, she was a great nurse, but it's my mom, so she's not used to me not being able to do anything. So she's like, "Get up." <laughs> I said, "Mommy, I'm not getting up." She said, get up now. <laughs> I would have to walk around. The main thing is you need to walk around a lot because you mm-hmm. need to keep the blood flowing in your body. But I can't leave the apartment. But just, you know, all I ate was yogurt and granola for days. Girl. Your girl looks sick. Um, it was it was a lot. I just laid in the bed and I thought about everything because at this point, now we're in the beginning of September and I'm supposed to move in a month. I'm supposed to move in October. So thank God for my mom. She packed up most of my apartment. When she left, put all the plastic bins against one one wall. I had friends that came and helped me. And you also cannot have sex for six weeks. So I was a little miserable with that too. And if you even try a little, little pokey, it's going to hurt. If your whole vagina will be on fire. So don't do that. Compression socks. <laughs> the question is, did they tell you this or did you test it? Um, They told me this and I tested it. <laughs> I tried to get a little poke. Just a little poke. I just wanted to see the thing. Okay. It's just a little poke, a little rim action. I was like, what? We're just going to leave it right there. Your we girl's about to out. die. That's it. I'm about to die. This is it. I oh, thought about God. what if something would have happened to me? Who would know what to do? Uh, I was talking to one of my friends. I sent her. Uh, she's a fan of the show. Shout out to her. Nike, you're amazing. She told me to remind 
anytime you have something like this to have a medical proxy and a living will to figure out what would happen. I think my mother, I put her down as a medical proxy. And again, you think about so much in your life when all you can do is lay on your back and stare at the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I had vascular fibroids. So they were feeding off of anytime I had my period, things like that. They were huge. I also had the resource of We Can Wear White, and that's all one word on Instagram. And they go through like things to prepare for surgery, how you can deal with uh, post-recovery. And recovery is actually two years. So I just hit the mark for full recovery. And I just feel like a different person. I would uh, make jokes with my friends saying, you know, I got a whole new piping system. (laughs) I'm a virgin now. And uh, I just had a whole new lease on life after surgery and then act- and then moving to Dallas afterwards and being cleared by my doctor and being able to start my life fresh. And I was shocked when that wasn't the case, because even though you, you're, you decided to take your life in a different direction and advocate for yourself and not wait, life will come at you fast. So a lot more gratitude and trying to take care of myself after that. So in past episodes, when I've talked about being routine oriented, this is stuff I wasn't doing before. But when you Mm -hmm. feel like you're about to face death because of something your body's doing inside that you have no control over, everything changes. So that's my five words story, y'all. Chan? (laughs) Girl. You you hit me. I mean, like she said, the experience with the fibroids is very similar to your experience with the C-section. So you legit had me over here reminiscing, but I didn't want to interrupt your story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because my crazy mama, when she came after my first C-section, and again, same thing, I was on, no, I was on the second level okay. um, of our apartment. We were in an apartment when I first had Avery. So when I went up the stairs, I ain't coming back yeah, down. Like, no, there's no it. coming back down until she's like, "Man, you gotta walk. We going to Target, girl." When I I was slumped, left him at home with the baby. Yeah, me and my mama in the store buying stuff, and I was just slumped over. Even the, the damn just, cart trying to push the cart. She's like, "You gotta stand up straight. You yeah. gotta walk. You gotta stand up. You, you gotta take move. these for granted. And I was you so mad. But all things like this for granted until yes. you cannot do it. Yeah." But I mean, my my recovery with the girls was definitely a lot better. Like, like came home and baby in each arm up and down the stairs, like walking yeah, around. I so I don't know if it's because she forced me. She'll take the credit for it. Um, <laughs> of course. What else? Of course. Um, but yeah, triggered. But the other thing um, that I was kind of saying in the beginning is that when I was pregnant um, with our first child, they told me that I had three or four fibroids mm-hmm. that were really small. They weren't too concerned about it. Um, but every time I had an ultrasound, they were measuring them to make sure they weren't growing, making mm-hmm. sure they weren't moving. Cause we went into this assuming that I was going to have a vaginal birth rather than a C-section. So just making sure they weren't in the way of the baby's growth or the baby getting out. And did they tell every- you the size of the fibroids? They did, but that was like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I don't remember. Um, but there were three or four of them. Mm-hmm. And then I was telling Tiffany um, when she was having her experience, I was like, you know what? I don't even remember talking about that with my doctor when I was pregnant with the girls. 
I was like, I'm going to have to ask her. Um, and another friend of mine was dealing with fibroids and is still actually, she hasn't had surgery or anything, mm-hmm. still dealing with fibroids and pain and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, people around me are going through some shit. I should probably check on mine and see what's going mm-hmm. on. And so I went back and I was like, it's probably because I was going to have a C-section. We knew with the girls, like I wasn't trying to have um, a V-back or vaginal birth after C-section. I wasn't planning for that. So I was like, maybe that's why we didn't talk about it. They didn't measure it because we already knew. Okay. So I asked the doctor and so she scheduled me for an ultrasound and she's like, yeah, you don't have any fibroids. And she's like, are you sure? She's like, I'm going to have to go back and check your file. Mm-hmm. She's like, because I don't even remember doing it. I'm like, no, we definitely did. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, like, did that happen in Boston before? Because I moved down here six months pregnant. So I was like, were we measuring in Boston? I'm like, no, nah, we was definitely up until delivery. And she's like, I don't know. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll took them out. Yeah. No, but <laughs> when they you can took disappear. the kid. Because was- I had them in 2012 when I went to do, because I would do pelvic mm-hmm. sonograms every couple of years. Yeah. But I had them in 2012. And then by 2014, they weren't there again. And then all of a sudden, they were there again in 18. Yeah. So what changed with, you know, your lifestyle? But I was exercising more, taking care of myself. Exactly. Like when we lived together in Boston, like we weren't eating red meat or eating bad. I was walking to work. Like I would be exercising in the morning and you'd be pissed. Yeah. Because I'm not a morning person. I know. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's just like Tiffany said, advocate for yourself when things are going on, things are happening with your body, advocate, follow up, right. don't let them tell you when you're going to follow up because you I thank God I have know. friends that were so transparent with mm-hmm. Ashby in the medical field, other friends, she just had the surgeries, but the difference with hers was if the doctors don't act, so initially they'll always try to do like the robotic surgery. I think that's like a laparoscopic, something like a laparoscopic surgery where they're taking these little robotic arms and sticking it into that area and Mm -hmm. sucking out any of the fluid filled sacs of the actual fibroid, but they're not taking the full fibroid out. So again, these masses can gain momentum if the sac is still there. So that's with the robotic arms. And I know friends that have had that and some of them have been okay. But others have had to now go do another surgery years later because the the fibroid came back and they had a myomectomy. It's called an abdominal myomectomy. It's literally like my doctor took pictures of the surgery. Like Girl, I remember the pictures of all the fibroids lined up on the table. I'm like, oh, I can't even post that for y'all. But girl, if you go to We Can Wear White on the, humans. I don't know if I could do it. I'll see if they have it like a sensitive content. But Mm -hmm. they, I, you know, when I said, thank you, I use this page to help me. I sent them the picture and they actually posted it. Mm. So, but they didn't tag my name or anything, but you can see that it's from nine, four, 2020, that post. And it has all of them lined. Oh, I love your brain. Like what? Yeah. My brain. Yeah. It's just, I I really remember a lot of things. If I don't remember, it's because I purposely don't remember it. And I've, you know, locked it away in my Pandora's box, but I even forgot to say that now. There weren't 25 fibroids. There were 28 fibroids lined up. Mm. <laughs> 28. Remember, initially we said 25. There were 28 fibroids removed. This is why surgery. Not even went. remember initially we said 25. Remember initially that they told her it was three. Three, three to 25 okay. to, 28. to 28. And That's the part. Yes. And she advocate took, for yourself. She took Speak pictures up. of them in her hand and they were bigger than her hand. Mm. 
I said, girl, this is the best pictures I ever saw in my life. And I have them hidden in my phone now because I'm not scrolling and seeing. Because it's just, I'm still not, I'm still not over it. And then the big move and then other subsequent things that happened after that to just feel like my body wasn't mine anymore. Mm. It was a lot. It was a lot. The past two years have been a lot on my mental health with the surgery, with moving, with doing a lot of different things. And I'll absolutely be more transparent in that transparent about that in future episodes we will be discussing post surgery and things that have occurred but um just socially trying to explain that to someone you're dating or to your family that you know <laughs> my body's different now you're going through changes it was a lot but understand that you're not alone and mm-hmm. talk to your friends about these things that's the only way I would have done it just like I had the conversation with Shan my friends had the conversation with me. So just sharing information, advocating for yourself, do not wait because that can make a difference from having the robotic surgery versus a myomectomy versus a hysterectomy. So Mm -hmm. honestly, don't wait. All right, if you didn't hear anything else, I know it was a little TMI, but I want everyone to be fully aware and I hope that what I went through can help somebody else get ahead of that. And in addition to don't wait, even if ain't nothing wrong with you, just like I do, mm-hmm. go for your annual every single year. Because look at the short time period from 2018 to 2020. Go every single year. You pay for your insurance or you have your insurance. Use it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just even... <laughs> just even... Thinking about this story again, just it's dark. It's dark. Like it's it, it was a lot to do this during quarantine by myself was a lot. So now I have to go be easy with myself for the rest of the day because I I'm one and when something major happens to me traumatic, I replay it in my head. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long time even to tell this story out loud if you weren't in my inner circle because mm-hmm. it was so traumatic to my mind and my body. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about that. You think surgery is just that in that moment. But my mom told me this old wives tale for as long as you've been under anesthesia, that's how long it takes you to heal your body to heal. And once air fills your body, it changes you completely from the inside out. So, Listen. and just waking up in the middle of surgery is just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I just had too much time to think. So, a lot of who I am now is from being in solitude for days, hours on end, being trying to be quiet because you have somebody in the house with you now and you don't want to disrupt them, but you're in pain. Mm -hmm. So it it was a lot. And I'm so grateful I was able to come on this platform and tell you all what happened to me. And I hope it doesn't get there for you. But if it has happened to you, we can talk about it. This is a safe space for transparent conversations. And I just hope that male, female, whoever, you know, take care of your people, take care of yourself. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's my story, guys. I would love to hear from you. I will be, if you have any other questions, obviously you can always come to me, but I'm so grateful for the people that were there for me, still were there for me and couldn't have done it without them. Couldn't be here today without them. That's the end for me. Like she said, we'll be sharing information on our page. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. 
wherever you are listening to this podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and follow us on Instagram at girl underscore move underscore on underscore podcast. Bye. Stay curious, my friends. Bye-bye.